Welcome to Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast, where our goal is to encourage, educate, and empower parents who are raising exceptional children. Join me as we dive into the real and raw of living an unordinary life. Hello, everybody. It's been a while since I have recorded an episode of Exceptionally Unordinary, but today I am back with episode number seven, and today's focus is going to be on traveling with your family. That's a reason why I have had a little extended break from the podcast. We have hit the road and gone east to the beach, and we have gone southwest to Kansas City for our son's independent educational evaluation. So we have been on the road and now we're trying to get back into the groove. So first things first, welcome back. My name is Gina and I am the host of Exceptionally Unordinary. And today I would love to share how we travel with our four kids It is a passion that we have, and since they were young, we have put them in the car and taken off on vacations. So today, we'll talk primarily about road tripping with the kiddos, though we do fly here and there, but I think the most important part of traveling with children is getting your expectations in check. For us, our expectations are usually fairly low. We typically take off with a destination in mind, and we have some activities we would like to participate in and some places we'd like to go, but we know that in all likelihood, they will not always happen. So I would suggest that you take the time to sit down with your kiddos and share with them where you're going to be going. And then if they're old enough, they could do a little research and see what is available at the destination. Or if they're not old enough, you could do the legwork and have a little family meeting about what you found. Sometimes, as we have found, we think some places look really cool and we think our kids would love it, but they look at it and say, nah, I don't really wanna go. Or we do end up going and they're not really super thrilled about what we have gone and done. I'm not saying that the kids should run the trip. But if there are definitely some places that you think, oh, these might be fun, but there's not really a whole lot of educational worth to it or history. And you're not really gung-ho on going there, then I would skip it. Sometimes less is more. If you're a type A like me, you might want to have your vacation planned out by day and some activities thrown in there that you would like to go and do, but the name of the game is flexibility. You have to be able to be flexible. Sometimes our kids don't sleep well when they're on vacation or sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate and we have to make adjustments to our schedule. Just because you have to change the plan doesn't mean that the day is a bust. So I would highly recommend not sharing what you're going to do until the morning of the day you're going to do it. Because if it's an outdoor activity and the weather is too hot, too cold, too rainy, whatever, 
then you don't have disappointed kids. And there are always, always options of cool places that you can go inside. If you have to break the news to them that something that they knew was going to happen has been rescheduled, do your best to engage them in the conversation about the alternative you could do that day. I'm trying to think of an example of something we've gone through. Well, I guess I can think. We were just in Washington, D.C. Um, late winter this year, and my husband had the kids while I attended the National Tourette Conference. And his plan was to take the kids to the Smithsonian Zoo. And lo and behold, at the time we were out there, they had incredibly high winds, really bad, to the point where it shut down government offices, which I found very strange coming from the Midwest that things would be shut down, but they were. And so the day that he went to go, the zoo was still closed because there had been debris blown around the day before. So... His day got really, really messed up, and it was kind of a mess, but ultimately they came through, and they all survived, but we made a little adaptation to our travel plans home and stopped off at the zoo in Columbus, Ohio, because we knew that if we did not take them to a zoo, we were going to have a really big problem. We really aren't the best at doing any activities on our way home, but this time we made an exception and we stopped off. And it was winter, so all of the exhibits weren't open, but we still got to check out the zoo and it was really nice and it was fun and it just gave the kids something to look forward to on that lengthy ride home. So let's talk travel tips for the car. If you're like us, we have a DVD player, so we always make sure that we are stocked on DVDs. The best place to stack up on those DVDs is your local library. You can put them on hold, ask your kids what they'd like to see, and put them in a place in the car that's easily accessible and whip through those babies. Um, Redbox is also really awesome because you can pick a movie up somewhere and drop it somewhere else and it doesn't matter. But outside of the entertainment of the DVD system, I love to put together binders and surprise bags. So let's talk binders first. The first thing I put in a binder is a map of the United States, just the outline with all the states. And... For those who are younger and don't know their states, I have the names in them. And for my older kids who do, it's just the outline. But we like to make it a big deal when we get through a state or to a state, we color it in. So it's kind of a cool little lesson on following along our journey and seeing where we've been. And the kids really enjoy it. I also like to put things in there like coloring pages that I've printed off of their favorite characters, word searches. There's a ton of great games for the car on there. License plate games, bingo games. There's just a lot of options and putting them in their binder keeps everything nice and compact and it's hard so they have a space to write on. And the best case scenario is if you don't get through all of it, it's totally there for another time. 
I also like to put together surprise bags and this takes a little bit of work but it can be a lot of fun. Inside of each bag I find some little trinkets from the dollar spot or the dollar general and I also try to purchase um, some things through like Amazon or Target that they would like to have. Sometimes it's a series of books they like to read. Maybe a new one has come out. So I'll tuck that in there. Or maybe there are some fun activity books of characters that they like. So my kids are big on Minecraft and Pokemon and Super Mario Brothers, that kind of stuff. So I have found some fun activity books that are, you know, part educational, but they're new to them, and it gives them something to do. Not only does it give them something to do in the car, but it also gives them something to do when we've arrived at our destination. There are some other really great things to nab if you possibly can for the car. Our kids all have their own Kindle Fires, and um, they all each have their own pair of headphones, so they can plug those in and it's quiet and they're not disturbing anybody else. So you can download apps, and if you have Netflix, you can put like a movie on there, and they can have their own time with their Kindle. I also really like the um, shuffle, and sometimes we have kids who really like to listen to music, or I have some kids with some sensory challenges where snoring or loud breathing really bothers them. So the opportunity to turn on some music and put their headphones on is kind of a welcome respite from that noise that is bothering them. We cannot forget about one of the most important things, snacks. Snacks keep our kids busy. So I like to load up before we head out on our road trip and I like to pick up some of their favorite snacks and some snacks that they maybe don't get to have very often. And I put them in reusable grocery sacks right behind our seat and I purchase a box of little Ziploc bags and I have come up with this wonderful trick. You can dump whatever snack you want in said Ziploc bag, seal it tight, and we have a minivan and I can just toss it into the back of the minivan. Nothing spills and everybody's happy. Um, but in all seriousness, that is what we do, but always have snacks available. We have kids who have um, sensitive stomachs in the car, so we have purchased some C-bands that go on their wrist, and then I also have some kids who take Bonine, and the worst thing for someone who is car sick is to have an empty stomach, so I kind of allow the kids to eat what they want while we're on the road. And then we also put in some dye-free lollipops or some dye-free gum or dye-free fruit snacks for those times when we are in the mountains and the altitude is making ears pop or causing some discomfort. And lastly, make sure that each of your children has a water bottle filled with some ice water because they will ask you 100,000 times for a drink if they don't have one available. I'd also highly, highly recommend packing a little bucket in your car. I have a green bucket that I use where I stash all of our emergency supplies. I have a roll of toilet paper and a roll of paper towels and plastic sacks for trash and gallon Ziploc bags in case anybody ends up car sick. 
I throw little screwdrivers and batteries and baby wipes and all of those little things that you might need along the way. And if you put them in that bucket, they're all just in a really easy, accessible place for you to grab them and you just know where everything is. So let's move on to accommodations. So we are big road trippers. My husband also happens to travel for his job. So he has hotel points, which we utilize as much as possible, especially when we're just going from point A to point B, like a quick overnight stay. So if you don't have yourself signed up for hotel rewards points, I would highly recommend you do that. Now we stick with Hilton. That's pretty much all we stay at. So we just rack up our Hilton points and then we redeem them. We take a yearly trip to North Carolina and we always go on the same route. So as time has gone on, we found hotels that we've really liked in places. And so we typically stay at the same ones on our journey there and back. Another tip about accommodations is making sure you have space that is comfortable for your family. We have a family of six. We have four kids. So the rooms that have just two beds work for us if we're like hopping in late and leaving early in the morning where we just need to throw people down and sleep. But if we're going to be there For longer than that, like we arrive before dinner and we don't have to be out really early in the morning, we always, always try to get ourselves in a suite because there's nothing worse than having everybody cramped in a space after being cramped in the car and fighting and not being able to fall asleep. So we highly recommend, especially for you bigger families, finding yourself a suite. And that is where those hotel points can really come in handy Because suites are generally a little bit more expensive, but you also get more points. So get yourself a place that has enough space. And if you're lucky, you'll find one that might have um, free snacks. Or our personal favorite is the Homewood and Embassy Suites where they have free happy hour. Um, So after a long day on the road, sometimes we get to get off the road and have ourselves a drink. Um, But... I highly recommend finding somewhere that has an option for breakfast. That is the easiest and most economical way to travel. If you have a place that serves a nice breakfast in the morning, your kids' bellies are full before you ever get back on the road. And some have great like fresh fruit options or box cereal options that you could grab a couple and have a snack for in the car. Um, I also think that you should always, always have an idea of where you want to go and book it. We have gone both ways where sometimes we don't book the hotel prior to leaving and it can be a little nerve wracking at times, but it's best if you have like a destination in mind and a hotel room waiting for you. Sometimes though things happen and it doesn't work out where you can't, you just can't get to the place that you wanted to go. We've had that happen on our way home before where traffic is really bad or there's a really bad car accident that backs it up and we just can't get to where we wanted to go because the kids have completely lost their minds. A lot of times a hotel will be really nice about allowing you to cancel, especially if you're staying within their chain and you're just moving cities. Always plead your case. It's totally worth a try because there are just some circumstances you cannot control. 
Let's talk about when you get to your destination. There are a lot of great vacation rental by owner options out there, and that is typically what we choose to do if we're going to be anywhere for an extended period of time. Hotels can be nice, but sometimes you just need your space. So when we go to the beach, we always rent a beach house. We share it with my parents, but we get ourselves a beach house right on the beach. And it's amazing because the kids can just run up the steps if they are hot or tired to go play. They can go up for lunch. It's just such easy access to be right there on the beach. And it's so affordable that we just keep going back every year. We've also utilized VRBO and Airbnb in Colorado, Arizona, Texas, Florida. It's usually our go-to if we're going to be somewhere longer than two or three days. It's so much better to have a kitchen to cook in and more than one bathroom and lots of space so that the kids can get their rest. There's nothing worse than being on a vacation with super overtired crabby kids. Blah, no fun. So if you are not already familiar with those websites, I highly suggest that you go on there and look at what's available during the time you want to go visit somewhere. If you can swing an off-season trip, you're always going to get a much better deal. But if you consider how much money you would spend eating out, then I think it typically is a better value, especially for a long stay, to nab up one of those vacation rental by owner options. Having that space can also help you head off some issues. In our situation, we have a child with severe food allergies, and so eating out can be hard if it's not at a place that's like a chain. So a lot of times when we go to the beach, we absolutely love seafood, but he has a shellfish allergy. So we will often make the kids their food there at the kitchen in the vacation rental by owner, and then we'll make our own dinner later, and we can wipe everything down really well so that we don't cross-contaminate, or we can order out, and we don't have to even worry about any cross-contamination in the kitchen. So for us, that kitchen is very important because it's so much easier to go to the grocery store and load up on food for meals than it is to try to navigate all of these menus at all of these restaurants and try to figure out what might be safe for him to eat versus what's not. Sometimes we'll even get into a situation where we'll go into a restaurant and we'll realize that nothing is safe for him to eat. So we have to load everybody up and try another place. Allergic reactions on vacation are really not fun. And I say this from experience because it happened to us when we were down in San Antonio. We hit up the happy hour at the Embassy Suites. We gave him goldfish crackers, which we assumed were safe. But lo and behold, we believe the con- the container that they were in had previously had something in it with nuts that then cross-contaminated with the goldfish crackers. And so we got to experience our first EpiPen stick at the hotel and an ambulance ride to the ER. Which leads me into a very, very valuable tip. Expect the unexpected. Illness happens. Accidents happen. There's always, always something that seems to happen while we are on vacation. A lot of it is pretty minor, but it does kind of put a little damper on the activities that we may have had planned. 
This past time we went to the beach, we ended up with two girls with fevers. Not at the same time, but they had high fevers at separate times. We just had to adapt. Like I said, we've been to the ER in Texas. It just happens. And so you have to be able to just go with the flow, take a deep breath. There's always hospitals. There's always pharmacies. And you just have to realize that things just don't always go as you had planned. A lot of people with young children will hear the word travel and just cringe. They think, absolutely not. There is no way we can travel with our kids. Well, if we can travel with our four kids, I can assure you that you can travel with yours. We have a goal to see all 30 Major League Baseball parks before our son graduates from high school. That seemed a lot farther away when we set the goal, but we'll see how close we get. This entails pretty much seeing the entire country, it feels like, and another country because there's a stadium up in Canada. So what we try to do is choose which stadiums we're going to see each summer, and we look around to find what fun family activities are in the area or on our way there or back. And so for us, that's kind of been our our little goal, and it's fun to plan that out each summer, and it's really fun as a family, especially when the Cubs are playing, we will turn on the TV and the kids will say, hey, we've been there. And while we often think, oh, we're just kind of dragging some of these kids to the baseball games, they all really do have a good time. And so maybe there's a goal that you would like to set with your family. Maybe you'd like to see all of the national parks, or maybe you are beachgoers and you'd like to check out different beaches, or maybe you're big woodsy people and you'd like to camp in different environments. Set a goal with your family because it helps drive your travel. For us, A lot of our trips are taken by car. It's very expensive to fly with the six of us, but it also gives us the opportunity to see a lot more than if we were just flying over the top. But if you are going to fly, there are some tips in getting a good deal for that as well. Tuesdays are usually the cheapest day to fly. I don't know why, but it is. You can always look for deals online, and we prefer to use an airline like Southwest where we don't have to pay for our luggage because with our family size, we are not going to get away with just carry-on luggage. There's also the opportunity for you to fly, if you're adventurous, into a more unconventional location to get to where you want to go. For example, we went to Cubs Spring Training a few years ago, and the tickets from the Midwest to Arizona were extremely expensive. So we opted for an unconventional one-way flight to Las Vegas, of all places, where we got in at like midnight or something like that. And then we flew out of Phoenix back to Chicago on a very early flight. I am not sure that I would ever take that very early flight again. I've done it twice with my kids and it is hard to do, but is definitely the best value. But sometimes if you have a destination in mind and you're going to have to rent a car anyways, it's helpful to look at nearby cities to see if you can get a better deal. For us, flying into Las Vegas worked out great. The kids got to see the strip 
and we got to go to the Hoover Dam, and then we went up to the Grand Canyon before we went down on a beautiful drive through Sedona to Phoenix. Had we not done that, we would have missed out on some of that stuff, but it was really cool to see how the geography differs in the desert and than it does in the Midwest. So there are always options, and you have to just be prepared to keep your eyes open for a deal. We also use a credit card where we um, get points for the dollars that we've spent, and every 10,000 points, we get $100 off of a flight, and we have utilized that every single time we have flown somewhere, and it has saved us a lot of money. If you have to rent a car, be on the lookout for deals on that as well. You should never pay full price for a rental car. There's always a deal. You just have to find it. Speaking of deals, there is one place that many, many families have on their list of places they'd like to travel to, and that is Disney World. We just did this trip this past fall, and I thought I would share just a few tips that I took away from that experience. First of all, the Disney credit card is super worth it. If you plan to go and it's not even for a couple years, get that card now. Those points accrue and you can redeem those for gift cards to be used for your trip. Disney is freaking expensive. So any way that you can take money off of your trip is definitely a bonus. We stayed off property at the Embassy Suites nearby We thought it was a great option, and for our large family, there are not a lot of Disney Resort options, so this was our best pick. The kids still talk about this hotel, about how it was the nicest hotel they've ever been to, and they really could have cared less that we weren't on property. Also, you can go to websites like Undercover Tourist and get a discount on your tickets, and that's what we did this past time. We did not get the bracelets that you can use, but we are going back again in January, and this time everybody is going to have one because toting those cards around and getting them out every time we needed to get on a ride was a total pain in the butt. So you're going to head to Disney. You need to book your wherever you're going to stay. You know, that is totally your choice. A lot of people want to be on property and get that meal plan. For us, we knew that we were not going to be able to be at the park for the long haul every day, so we opted to not do that. We would eat breakfast at the hotel in the morning, we would eat lunch at the park, and then we would eat dinner off-site. So we did three days of Disney. We had a lot of fun, and we would recommend all of the parks we went to, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, and Magic Kingdom, but we learned a few things along the way. First of all, Hollywood Studios was our shortest day. We could have made it even shorter had I gotten in line for Jedi training way sooner than I did. Secondly, if like on the day we went to Magic Kingdom, it was hotter than blazes. So we went in the morning, we ate our lunch, we went back and took a little break, and then we went back. That was the latest night we stayed in the park. 
the last day we went to Magic Kingdom. And knowing what I know now, I would have planned that out much better because that park is so big and I would book our fast passes and one ride would be on one side of the park and then the other ride would be on the other side of the park. So we were doing a lot of back and forth. So I would suggest looking at the maps before you book your fast passes so that you don't wear those little legs out trekking back and forth for no reason. We also included a trip to the beach on that vacation and we did it before we went to Disney. Now I know that we should have done it after we went to Disney. Like everyone says, you need a vacation after going on vacation at Disney. It cannot be farther from the truth. While it is a whole lot of fun, it is pretty exhausting. So if you're planning on taking the family over to the beach, I would do that after you have hit up the parks. Go have a little R&R and let the kids run around on the beach and high-five your partner that you made it through the Disney vacation. I'm not going to lie. My husband and I really thought that we would not have a whole lot of fun at Disney, but it was really a great time. And we knew that our kids would probably have some challenges while we were there. We have a lot, a lot of impulse control issues. Um, And waiting in line is hard, and especially when it's hot. But we made it through really, really well, and we were really proud of our kids. And I think the best tip I have is don't push it. If your kids are starting to melt down and you can see that it's building, go take a break. Go get something to eat, get out of the heat, head back to the hotel. You can always come back later in the day. Whatever you do, don't keep pushing to the point of a breakdown because that just puts a lot of stress on everybody and it can really put a damper on your vacation. Well, I threw a lot, a lot of vacation tips at you today, but I hope that some of you find it useful and that you, if you're a little reluctant to do so, Get out of your comfort zone and hit the road with your kids. Maybe start small. Go somewhere and spend one night. It doesn't have to be something big, huge, and extravagant. Just go somewhere. I can assure you there are really awesome things within an hour or two of where you live. And it's something you probably wouldn't do on a normal basis, but it can be a really special time for your family. For us, I would love to spend way more money on vacations than I ever would on material items. Memories are priceless, and I can tell you that my kids value their time that they get to spend exploring new places, and they will be some of my favorite memories once they're all grown and have left the nest. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Exceptionally Unordinary, the podcast. Next week, we will be back with a new episode, and the topic is going to be simplifying your life. You're not going to want to miss it.